Parking in Bitterman Circle, February 13th, 2005. Hi there. Welcome to Parking in Bitterman Circle. Oh, God. Latency from the get-go. Oh, we're coming to you from lovely Hollywood, California, following the Grammys. And, uh, you know... For working on the thing, it was a pretty... Oh, God. You know, I'm watching the tail end of the rebroadcast on the West Coast, and I was wondering who was using that trampoline I saw in the back, and by God, it was... Oh, we did a backflip! Oh, that's cute. Look at him go. That would be Usher. And here comes James Brown! Yay! Well, it's showbiz, right? Anyways... We uh, survived another live television show. That's really the key. And um, you know, it's a big show, and it's in a big building, which is strangely unfriendly to a production of that size. Um, you know, if you've watched the program you realize that there's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's amazing. If you look at the walls that are behind the performers, you wouldn't realize that there's probably 90 to 100 people standing around waiting for the next move to move the wall out of the way and pull all the gear out on rolling risers, crash it down a ramp into... uh, um, down another ramp to next to the uh, garbage compactors where uh, you get a wonderful opportunity to pack it up and put it on a truck and move it on to the next place. Well, I don't know. I'm sounding a little bitter, but I'm not really. I mean, our end of things went really well. We were early in the show, the people I was working for, and uh, it went very smoothly. Uh, and in looking at the performance, uh, visually, the stuff I did turned out well, and uh, sound-wise, it was okay. I didn't really dig the mix all that much, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? It's TV. And people want to hear vocals, not, you know, rack toms. Uh, and looking back at tonight's performances, it was pretty neat. Oh, God, what's that outfit that Cheryl... No, I'm glad I didn't see that. Cheryl Crow is wearing this outfit, which uh, has a big bite out of it. Oh, God. Well, she's there with Lance Armstrong and... I wonder if she's wearing one of those yellow wristbands. I bet you it matches her, sh- her outfit. 
Oh, God. So, anyways, um, I thought it was a pretty good show. I thought there, I mean, obviously they put together these made-for-TV moments every time they do one of these shows. And it, um, you know, sometimes they pair people together and it seems so contrived and so, you know, schmaltzy, I think is the word I used in the weblog. Oh, there's Al Schmidt on TV, engineer. He must have engineered the uh, Ray Charles record. Great engineer. And they're sending up Ravi Shankar's daughter to accept Ray Charles's Grammy. Go figure. Um, but some of the pairings and some of the performances were really kind of cool this year. And I really have to say that the number one performance that I thought was neat had to be the Melissa Etheridge, Joss Stone one, because Melissa was fabulous. And, um, you know, she's had, you know, she was dealing with a cancer and she came out there and she's got just a little peach fuzz on her head. And I mean, she just slayed it. She was great. And, uh, she's always been a great performer, but, uh, it's a good comeback performance for her. Um, let's see what else the Southern rock thing was. Uh, pretty good. Um, you know, you put a conglomeration of people together who have been around for a while. It's always interesting to see uh, how that's going to go, especially with some of the youngins out there singing the songs. And, um, you know, I think Keith, Keith Urban is a pretty talented young guy, and, and Tim McGraw is doing real well. Um, but, I mean, sometimes it's an odd pairing. Um, you sit there and you go, well, maybe they should have gotten this person or that person. You can always second guess these producers when they put stuff together. Um, what else was neat tonight? Um, well, U2's performance was very subtle. Um, you know, that song, the, the ballad is, uh, a very, uh, subtle song and um and yet it still sounded huge um credit has to go to uh dallas shoe and 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 how how a band with a you know guitar bass and drums can just sound so full when you know what you're doing um i don't know if you've looked back there but the guitar rig that the edge has had over the years is even bigger now it is humongous the world's largest pedal board actually two of them um and it sounded fabulous and it, considering here's a little behind the scenes scoop that um you know the uh during the run through i'll try to paint a picture of what it's like backstage just beside it being a bunch of chaos, or it seems like chaos. Here's the deal. Um, all of those performances, all the music, all of the musical instruments is put on rolling risers. 
there the stage is up in the air and what has to happen is that from the lower level below a group of stagehands pushes the equipment up on the rolling riser up a ramp makes a right hand turn then a left hand turn and then in that at that point it either goes left or right to the left or right stage um you preset stuff as much as possible, but in fact, we were in there on Thursday doing a run-through. So th- these guys have been setting this show up for over a week. They started doing run-throughs on Thursday. So they've been there full day Thursday, full day Friday, full day Saturday, and then all day today and into tomorrow morning. So you can imagine people are burnt they are not so friendly. A lot of the guys have been doing this for a long time, and they know better. And the unfriendliness of the building makes it a bit of a challenge. Um, the weight of some of the set pieces, um, if you looked at the um, the opening and the gospel thing and the... Mark Anthony thing. There was a lot of actual set pieces, beds, sofas, lamps, but also orchestras and you know, quite you know, pew benches from churches and stuff like that. And let alone putting a nine foot Steinway on a rolling riser and pushing it up a hill. Um, some of the other stuff, um, like U2's equipment, is rather heavy and. Even before we started this afternoon, the bottom of the ramp was absolutely beaten to pieces. And this isn't unusual because this stuff is used and then it's taken out and it's not used again. Um, people are in a tremendous rush. When you're doing this, in, you can't even imagine what it's like doing this in real time because it is just wild backstage. Hmm, I'm surprised to hear that... Uh that uh, system sound. I'm surprised. Uh, I thought I had that uh, routed off somewhere else. That would be this. Let's turn that thoroughly off. Okay. Anyways, um, it wasn't a smooth run through. There was a lot of. And this is usually the way it is. There was a lot of figuring out where the binds were because artistically these guys come up with these great ideas such as um, in tonight's performance, a good example was going from Mark Anthony and Jennifer Lopez straight into the Southern Rock tribute. This is something that technically was kind of interesting. In the afternoon during the run-through or this morning during the run-through, um, they went from one to the other, and very often they usually have a performance, somebody yaps, another performance. So there's time to make shifts for sound and whatnot. So today they tried something new where they put two performances back-to-back, and uh, now everything is run off of computer consoles so that you can make settings during your rehearsals the days before and then hit a button and all of the... Um, levels and switches and routing all goes into place. So, and this is for, you know, obviously they have sound on stage, they have sound in the front of house for the audience, and they have sound in the truck for recording and for broadcast. So, um, today was very interesting in that 
when they put these two performances back to back, even though this stuff is highly automated and modern, uh, because they put the two performances so close, the computer didn't even have time to go from the first the first band to the second band, from the uh, Jennifer Lopez to the Southern Rock thing, and. Um, it took, you know, so they had, you know, obviously they go, well, we're going to need a little bit more time. Somebody's going to have to yap for another 15 seconds to make it work. Um, just getting everything plugged, pushed in the right place and plugged in and having it work can be tricky, too. And um, you can't put enough emphasis. This is something you can imagine with younger acts and whatnot that nerves play a part in being in front of an audience filled with your peers going out to a billion people around the world um this actually is the 20th anniversary uh, first time i ever did a grammy performance was in 1985 i've been there a few times over the years uh with different performers and um it is a very high-profile, high-stress situation. But you would think that certain performers, people that are there every year or every other year who have been doing it for 20 or 30 years, would be almost immune to it, but they're not. You know, you would think that the you know, Lost Lonely Boys, their first time out, and congratulations to them for winning a Grammy. Um, they would be just be sort of walking around wide-eyed and couldn't believe what was going on. And uh, you'd be surprised that some people have been in the business for 35 years, and this is, this is, is such a big deal to them, and that nerves is such a big issue that, uh, I don't know, you'd be surprised. That's all I can say. As opposed to us jaded old farts who push the stuff around. Um, you know, I I can't say that either. I uh, I did this show at Madison Square Garden two years ago, and uh, actually was involved in helping people out in two performances. And the people I was working for, I was really desperate to please. And I was extremely nervous about doing it. And then there was, um, we had finished our performance and um, the stagehands went to push the equipment on the risers off of the stage. And when they did, they didn't push the riser, they pushed the equipment. And the equipment went crashing off of the rolling riser. The problem is, I had to use that equipment for the performance and about six or seven minutes later, over on the other side of the stage for a uh, tribute performance so i had to race down and make sure that it worked and then race up and set it up and um it it seemed like it worked and then i got up there and it started malfunctioning and this is like 30 seconds before um airtime and I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And what it turned out to be was a human error on, on my behalf because I was in such a rush of making sure that everything was not destroyed during the accident shortly before. Uh, I rectified the situation with about 10 seconds to go. And as the stagehands were clearing the stage, 
they proceeded to knock down both of the antennas I used for wireless stuff for the guitars. And I just positively, I just looked at the guy and I said, you want to see me drop dead? You want to see me have a heart attack? I can't believe you've done this in all day of days. And of course, I'm diving at this point and I pull the antennas up and the red lights go on in the camera and the band starts playing and I push the right buttons and yeah, whatever. It was stressful. This wasn't terribly stressful, but at the same time, you really want to please folks. You really want to give them the best possible service. And you, I mean, I still look out there. I mean, it's weird on the, on the Grammys or any of the television shows um, the professional thing to do if they're doing one song is to set them up, make sure everything's ready to go, and then you get out of the way. You don't sit up there behind the riser so you'll be in a shot or, or anything like that. And um, so I'm watching from the wing, and that's an odd feeling for me. And then I'm looking over, and the biggest fear that I have is that one of the stands is going to collapse or a head is going to break. And, you know, all of my best preparation is just going to be for naught. And um, that's, you know, that's what we carry with us, I guess. And, and that's what really, really drives us to check, 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 and double check everything and clean and polish and twist and tighten and do all the things that we do to make sure that our clients, those musicians, those guys with the nice hair, don't look like morons out there. You know, that's, that's uh, you know, what we do. And, um, you know, it was a good feeling that everything went through my, that my client felt, was really happy about how things turned out and, he was really very grateful and, and thankful before, during, and after. And uh, that's a nice feeling. It's nice. Yeah. And uh, the other aspect of this, of course, is the big hang backstage. The musicians get to hang out with each other, but all the old crusty roadies get to hang out and catch up. And uh, it's also an opportunity for us to network and uh, see if we can find some work. Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Oh, wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Well, that wasn't a very slick transition, but it kind of kind of sums things up because there's a lot of duding backstage and there's a lot of um you know everybody's employed that day but tomorrow's a new day um there's people getting ready for tours there's people uh people wrapping things up and there's people looking and uh, sometimes looking for better things oh wait hang on a sec i'll be right back don't go nowhere Now, I don't know if I'll get in trouble for this, but uh, 
Bonnie Raitt and Billy Preston did a performance that was just fantastic. I'm going to turn up the TV as it's playing and hear Bonnie slide and the B3 of Billy Preston. I'm sure there's is breaking all kinds of rules, but I don't care. I heard the run-throughs. She was fabulous. tribute to Ray Charles. Ray Charles was the big winner tonight. Got, uh, I don't know, all but oh, it's like six or seven awards. That's great. That's fabulous. He, uh, he got some of the big ones, too. And, uh, oh, where was I? Krusty Roadies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good old Krusty Roadies. A lot of guys... I saw there that I've known for at least 20 years. And some people who had been at it for another 10 or 15 years before that. Um, I started doing this in 85. Uh, one of my friends I was speaking with, his first tour, he started in 71. That's a long time on the road. But... Uh, just imagine a bunch of guys with uh, thinning hair, gray beards, black clothes, um, tools. And uh, you know what? The reason, the whole, here, Bitterman Circle, as a way of an explanation, Bitterman Circle is something that started on the Simon and Garfunkel tour in 2003. Um, let me explain. Joke, joke that goes back, running jokes that, um, you know, happen in any job workplace, but, um, especially the nasty, um, music business where things are a little looser than they are in some corporate in instances. Um, someone will be complaining or griping or just being a general pain in the ass. And uh, one person will turn to them and uh, say to them, Par uh, Bitterman, party of one, your table is waiting. Or, you know, in the case of a whole crew that won't stop bitching, Bitterman, party of 27, your table is waiting. So this is where the idea for the parking in Bitterman Circle began. Um, we came up with a goofy logo and we put it on uh, in an area. So it was a place that was sort of destined for complaining and complainers. And, um, you know, we just uh, refer to each other as Bitterman. And, uh, and like most roadies, we just try to out-bitter one another. Um, today was kind of nice because... No one was really doing that, but uh, when pushed into a corner, we do our best to bring that part out the best we can. 
don't you know? And by way of a uh, an announcement here, um, I finally got the website over to the domain. And I don't think I'd actually talked about this before, but I now have the domain www.bittermancircle.com. How about that? I thought the parking in would be a little uh, long, but bittermancircle.com now exists. My weblog is at that address. And uh, though graphically it's not dialed in yet, there is content, there is news, and there are links to my podcasts. And um, hopefully I will get the graphic end of things together in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's kind of a stock radio lo- user land. Radio loser land. That's for you know that would be for me. Yeah, it's a nice uh, standard user land uh, template at this point, but I'll monkey with it. And um, also, um, you know, you can get the RSS feed for the uh, Parking in Bitterman Circle podcast at that location, which is, I don't know, bittermancircle.com slash rss.xml or something like that. You'll just, just go there. Just go there and get it if you already don't. And um, and off you go. So, you know, I plunged in and I got a little server package and it's pretty reasonable and uh, um, I'm not going to advertise them for them because they, uh, well, I don't really care to advertise at this point ever, you know, really ever if I can help it. Um, so anyways, it was fabulous to, to see some of my, my friends and, uh, co-road dogs all in one place. There were a few exceptions, um, of people that it really would have fit in well and would have been perfect there. Um, you know, not everybody gets to come, but uh, there was a great cross-section. It was great to see the U2 crew guys and the guys from Green Day, and um, my buddy Renee was there with John Mayer. John Mayer won for songwriter for the song Daughter, daughters and he uh he played the song with the great welsh bass player pino paladino and the drummer steve jordan and it was really a very nice performance and um anything believe me anything you put pino on gets 10 times better just by him being there and uh i someone was telling me that john mayer did a uh hendrix tribute um, around the first of the year, um, that was really smoking in New York. Um, that would be it. Would be nice to see him sort of step it up and rock out. I saw him play some rock guitar on the Dave Chappelle show. That was pretty good. Anyhow, uh, well, it's always good to be on the other side of one of these events. Because, um, 
you know, there is some stress involved, but it's just nice. And now everybody, I mean, they're still tearing it down there at the Staples Center. There's a lot of work to do, a lot of lights, a lot of uh, stuff. And, um, you know, you know, all the musicians and the hangers on and the management and the sycophants and mooches and arm candy and all that crap. They're all at the parties now. And a lot of roadies are just uh, packing up their bags, getting ready to get on a plane tomorrow and go home like me. And that's that's just fine, man. You know, I'm uh, I'm good with that. Anyways, uh, I'll start wrapping things up here and uh, a little something on the background to keep things going. Um, what else? What else do we got? Yeah. Come and get me. I'm sure there's a little something else to talk about. I just have to check my notes because, um, you know, I don't have half a brain at this point. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, they gave Led Zeppelin a Lifetime Achievement Award, and that's, that's really cool. You know, it doesn't surprise me that... Uh, they didn't get one, it being as political and as mainstream sometimes as it was. Um, but uh, I guess that was yesterday they gave it out, and I guess uh, John Bonham's kids were there, and that's that's great, because you know, if anybody deserved to have an award, it was him. It's too bad he had to leave so soon. Um... I don't know, man. Maybe I'll just wrap this up. And um, Oh, shout out. Um, this show has no name. Um, I don't know if you ever heard that, but um, it was interesting to get a reference. Uh, I posted over there. Is he, he played a clip of Billy Connolly, and he didn't know who it was. And, um, you know, he acknowledged the fact that I... I let him know what it was, but as it usually is listening to his show, he's not impressed. That's okay. But it was, uh, it was a hoot to hear my name mentioned on another podcast, and uh, especially one that's uh, getting attention like his. Oh. Okay, kids. Well, let's wrap this up. i got to pack up my, com- my computer and... Get ready to uh, get on that plane tomorrow morning. Anyways, um, any comments, thoughts, criticisms, uh, insults, or audio comments, you can send to me at uh, Aronsky, that's A-R-O-N-S-K-I, at gmail.com. That's gmail.com. Yeah. And, um, of course, uh, the website is parking at Bitterman Circle. Dot, I mean, excuse me. Ugh, I'm just going to punch myself in the head. BittermanCircle.com is the new domain. That's where the website is. That's where the podcast feed is. And um, now we can kind of take it up a notch, I guess, and, uh, and make it interesting. So that's it for today. 
thank you very much for spending a little time with me. And uh, if you actually are subscribing, thanks for subscribing. And, uh, you know, as we get out in the road later on in the year, um, it should get interesting. I was actually hoping to sit down with a couple of folks from the business this weekend and uh, get some more stories going. But, uh, you know, I didn't want it to. I don't know. I'll find a way to make it a little bit more acceptable in the future. But um, anyways, thanks a lot. We'll catch you next time. That's it for now. Bye.